Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. I love these new conversations I'm having with guest co hosts. And host for this series is Jen Loudon. And you may remember her as being a guest on How She Really Does It. I know she's been a fan favorite. And remember, Jen is the person who helped the self-care movement with her first book, The Women's Comfort Book. And she's written five more books, including The Women's Retreat Book and The Life Organizer, that have inspired more than a million women in nine languages. Many of you have seen her on when she sat on Oprah's couch, where she talked about the power of retreats. And she also has these annual retreats that she does in New Mexico that are very powerful. Jen, thank you so much for being a a guest co-host with me on these shows. Oh, you know me. I love to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's perfect. So do I. So today we're going to talk about friendships. Um, This is kind of something that I keep seeing, you know, people talking about. I have clients that are talking about this. And in this world where we're so connected, right, we have Facebook, we have Skype, we have so many ways to be connected I'm I'm hearing a lot of pe- about people being disconnected. I don't know if you have that same sense in the Pacific Northwest up there and what you've he- heard from women that you work with. But that's why I wanted to have this conversation about friendships. Yeah, I did. It's interesting you say that. So friendships for me is a huge fraught area. I'm going to be, as always, very honest, and we can dive into that. But just mentioning the Pacific Northwest brings two ideas to mind. And one is two Saturdays ago, I was invited to attend this small group, one-off, um, three-hour, I don't know, event um, meeting about spiritual practice. And it was held by two acquaintances in the Episcopal Church. I'm not an Episcopalian, and this church is very welcoming. And at the end, it was very, very sweet. And I went because I have such a problem with my with my feeling of belonging and friendship. And feeling isolated, even though I've lived on this island for 14 years. And one of the leaders, I have a story about her, and I've had a story about her for many years as I see her around, that she's like, belongs, and she, you know, she's in the middle of the church, and she leads these women's groups and hiking trips. And so I was saying goodbye to her, and thank you for inviting me after most of the group had left. And we got into a conversation about friendship and how she has the same conversation in her head that she doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. And it really left me with, um, yet again, <laughs> the same lesson I get over and over again in my own life, and hopefully this resonates with some of you, is that my conversation about not belonging becomes a way that I then hide and take myself out of friendships and possibilities of belonging and being close instead of taking action to connect. Um, and I think that's what's happening a lot in our world facilitated by the surface connections of social media. That is so interesting. So I just have, I have weekly coffee with a girlfriend of mine and um, we had it this morning and we were just talking about that because I was, my word was different in the sense of loneliness. And she's like, Mm. but look at you and look at your life. You know, you get, you're connected with all these amazing people. She goes, you've created this life. 
And I said, yeah, but there it's that, that struggle with belonging, you know, and sometimes there's different roles where I will show up and there's a lot of leadership energy that mm-hmm. comes. Yes, yes, right? yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and then, but then there's just sometimes of I'm all by myself or, you know, in, in, in that belonging, that wanting to belong, even though I know that I do, and I don't know if it's like this inner child thing. And then I hear people talking about it and then I see Facebook, right? And it's so easy. It's interesting because I think I've moved through this part of where I can get into compare and despair on Facebook. There was a time I would open up Facebook and be like, oh my gosh, they live this fantastic life and here's my ordinary, right? Yes. And and Patty Dye and I talked about that, you know, living the extraordinary and the ordinary or living the ordinary. Put down down your extraordinary and pick up. down your extraordinary and pick up your ordinary or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just, you know, and like, I appreciate my, cause my, what I really love to do are really ordinary. And for me, that's extraordinary, right? Those, those moments that are just, you know, like having coffee with my girlfriend. That's like, mm-hmm. I love to do that, right? We have these deep, meaningful conversations. And that was the other side is that that's really what I want to fill my life with is, you know, meaningful conversations, you know, and connections with people. So even though I want to belong, I'm not willing to just belong at anything. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I, I, there are so many threads here. So I want to, oh gosh, (laughs) I need a whiteboard while we're talking. So I'll just go back to people think the same thing about me. Oh, you know, everybody. Oh, you're so connected. It's not the same when you're online. It's Mm -hmm. not the same. So I get to have a great hour conversation with someone in a podcast like you, but we're not having that deeper in each other's daily life thing. And that's what I think so many of us are hungry for. But the pace of life and the different stages of life right now, plus the pace of life, mm-hmm. are making it more and more difficult, I think, for us to have those conversations. So I feel like I, I know all these cool people around the world, but it's hard to find those people and then make the time here. Then you yeah. couple that with my story of um, I don't belong and, oh, everybody else belongs but me. And then you get the, oh, I'll just, I'll just stay home and read a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also think that the, there becomes this, this thing that a lot of women who are in positions of leadership, it is lonely because mm-hmm. people in some ways don't approach you to be friends because mm-hmm. they think, oh, you're, you've got so many friends mm-hmm. and, and look at you. I don't have anything to offer you or you get the opposite where you get people approaching to be friends and you're like, wow, but I'm going to, for want of a better word, I'm going to be the one that's kind of lifting you up. And I want to be with my, with people that can have deep conversations with me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. No, it totally makes sense. uh, I I was um, called up a girlfriend of mine who lives on the East coast. So right. That presents its own problems just in logistics. But, Mm -hmm. and then she called me back and she goes, Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to hear you. And we were recently together. Right. And, um, we were, and we were sharing a hotel room and we're, we're at this event and stuff and had these great deep conversations. And then we both came home and got busy in our lives. Yes. And, um, and then of course, you know, the story in my head is, Oh, well, I guess I don't matter. Cause we haven't heard from her. Right. We yes. create these these darn stories. Well, then when we wound up connecting, because I did, I took that courage and reached out, wrote, reached out to her. She said, you know, I really had a hard time re-entering back home with my family. And I thought about calling you, but I thought you were too busy. Yes. See, so, so just, just, let's just step back for everybody and look at some of these different 
stories, but also cultural pressures. And I want to be really clear because I know you know this about me, mm-hmm. but I really don't want to make everything about us personally. We have mm-hmm. to realize that we're living in an unprecedented time of connection and busyness that seems to be leading to loneliness and disconnection in some instances for some of us. I don't want to be a blanket statement. But we're, it's not just living in us. It's living in what's happening with social media and the pace of life. Yes, we can do something about it, but I don't want us to feel like, oh, it's all about me. And if I just had a different mm-hmm. story, because I think that changing our stories, as you just illustrated, is really powerful. And that's why you were able to reach out and reconnect. So anyway, just that. Then the next thing I want to say is that I find the same thing. Like I'll have this great connection with women on a retreat, whether we're there as, as peers or whether I'm, you know, leading the retreat, but of course still connecting with people deeply. And then I come home and it's like it didn't even happen. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I wonder if part of what we're pointing to and that we're hungry for is just more of a weave into our daily life where we're not living just in the computer and the occasional deep experiences, but we're having things woven in. And is that getting pushed out because of both the time social media takes and the way that we're connected out there, which is juicy, but often more shallow. Mm-hmm. And how do we then find the ways and the time to, to build those connections and weave them in like we did when we were in college, remember? Mm-hmm. Hanging around the dorm room. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I do think part of it is the circumstances of our, you know, the times um, and and doing those things, because when you're you're right, when we're in college, you're around a group of people who, you know, there's a huge population of people that are pretty like minded. Right. And then how do you incorporate that in your life now as an adult who may have kids or may have a business or, you know, we're doing there's we're all going in such different directions. But how do we connect? Yeah. And then I just want to say the other part is it's easier to connect with people shallowly on social media for me Mm -hmm. than it is to make the time to connect with people in person. Mm -hmm. And I'll be really honest. So yesterday I'm, I have two girlfriends on the Island. We, We months and months go by. We don't see each other or talk. We've known each other now for years. So we made a time, um, to get together and have lunch for about an hour and 15 minutes yesterday. So that's actually a big deal for me because it's like, it means I have to put clothes on. (laughs) It means I put a little makeup on, you know, so the whole hermit, uh, hermitization of our world is happening with social media, but it's also the effort to really slow down for human face-to-face relationships. It's when I'm online, it's like, oh, I can do this, and I'm all over the place, and I can just be fast, and there's something very satisfying about it in a shallow way, and I'm sure it's something that's happening with my brain and dopamine, and but to really slow down. And be like, okay, we're face to face, and you're going to talk at the pace that a human talks. <laughs> and I'm going to really be focused on you. And after a while, it feels really good, but it's like getting out of your yoga pants to get into your street clothes. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a little more effort and constriction, and it's about being about the other. And honestly, I think social media helps us really be about ourselves. Ooh. That's interesting. Say more about that. Well, you know, it's it's a little narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even when I'm out there saying to a friend who lost her husband to cancer, um, in the and another friend whose ex husband, but still a you know big part of her life, 
even though they've been divorced for many years, he just dropped dead yesterday. And so you can offer your condolences, but how different is it to offer your condolences in, in a Facebook post than it is to sit with someone who's grieving and stay with them for hours or attend their memorial service? It's a huge difference. And then the narcissism of just like, oh, look, look at me, look at my life. Even if I, I work so hard not to do the, hey, look at my perfect life. I mean, wow, I share so little of that because I don't want to add to that feeling of edited, curated life. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like I should show a picture of my big butt and my yoga pants <laughs> and the 10 pounds I've gained since this summer, you know, but I don't want to do that either. <laughs> Well, you know, it's so interesting because um, I I've noticed just myself of there's there's a couple of dialogue just this week that happened because a friend of mine um, lost her dad unexpectedly and there was stuff being posted up on Facebook and I just didn't want to join in in a sense that party yeah. right and so I thought about it and um, and I too had lost my father unexpectedly and received a phone call at night and so a couple days later. You know, I did want to reach out to her because I thought about what is my intention and I wound up sending her a text. You know, I didn't want to call because I felt like that was more intrusive, but a text. And I just sent her a message that was to my heart. So it was very private. Nobody else knew. And then another instance was a friend was I noticed was her birthday. And I and it's funny because like I'm kind of rebelling against what Facebook these days. I'm not mm -hmm. on their whole bunch. But I remember thinking, oh, I can't not I can't you know, not post something on her Facebook thing because then, you know, I'm not going to be that good of a friend, right? <laughs> and it was, I was judging myself by the actions that I was taking on this, on this social media site. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny about, you know, the things that we do, like you're saying, how do we show up, whether it's on Facebook, because, well, we, this is how we're going to be perceived, right? Yes. Versus yeah, so there's a, there's, yeah, there's an outside, like, see me being a good friend. Mm -hmm. I do the same thing when I go to visit my mom in memory care. And if a day goes by and I don't go by, I don't go over, and it's four blocks away. It's not like a big effort, but I get busy and I'm here, and I'm she's not calling, so I figure she's okay, and she's having fun. But I'm like, part of it is I want to see her, but part of it is I want the staff to know I'm showing up, mm -hmm. you know. And so I think you're pointing to something really juicy, which is how do we go inside and define what being a friend is. How do we decide what our story of belonging is? You know, I've been teaching this in the life navigation, life navigation course, which is a course I teach once a year based on pretty much all my, like the best of my work. And so this past week we talked about story. And we were talked about how do we start to notice that we are always in a story. That's the way our brains are built. So, and then how do we begin to generate a more, Pos not a more positive story, but a story that opens us more to life, that opens us more to our desires and, and the, the truer life for us. And so what we're talking about is how we get caught up in stories about friendship mm -hmm. and how we're like questioning them, rebelling against them, or, or just changing them. And I think that's really juicy. Like, oh yeah, I, had, I went to a yoga workshop this past weekend and the guy said, yeah, I posted on Facebook that my dad had died and I got 150 likes. What is that about? Oh. <laughs> and you've seen those posts, right? Like people don't even want to take the time to write or they don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. So they push like on something like your father dying. Mm -hmm. So that's that has helped me kind of question as well. Like how do I want to show up there? How do I want to support people? What do I want to say? And if I don't have the time to really pause and reflect and offer something, then nothing then do nothing. 
I think that's an important question. Like first pausing and then saying, how do I want to show up? Yeah. Right. Cause like with this friend, I mean, it, it first came out in an email. So I knew in this private group, but it also, I didn't want to jump in and hit reply all and respond. Right. Mm-hmm. Because then I was hustling to show everybody, oh, see, I'm yes. a good friend. I'm really yes. thoughtful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I want to preface this something with what you said earlier. This is just how my brain was working. Like if, if that's what other people do, I'm not saying this is how oh, you do well, it, right? Yeah, 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 right? This is just me. And I was just aware of that because of the work that I do. And so, but it took me a couple of days because I think I found that it was Sunday and it wasn't till Tuesday that I responded. Right. And, but to give myself that permission of saying, I don't have to respond yet, you know, but how do I want to show up? How do I want to support my friend? Right. In this time of loss. And, um, and so for me, and that is also a great reminder if like, if somebody doesn't show up, you know, on my birthday on Facebook and say, (laughs) happy birthday, (laughs) it doesn't mean that I don't matter to them. Right. Yeah, we have to turn, we have to flip the story. So I think what we're both pointing to, and this is so delicious for me personally, is how do I want to be a friend? How, what kind of friendships do I want to have? And what effort am I willing to make for those friends? Okay, you need to repeat this because I'm writing these down. (laughs) I can never repeat anything (laughs) verbatim. My brain doesn't work that way. Well, good good thing it's recorded because people can hit rewind. Right. And then they can come up with better questions. Um, How do I want to show up as a friend? How am I in default mode? Because life is moving so fast and social media makes it easy to have these surface, surface interactions. And not that the surface interactions, you know, sometimes they're really fun. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I just want to go goof off on Facebook for five minutes and feel connected. It's not that it's all bad, Mm -hmm. but that it can move. It's moving us in a lot of directions that we need to be aware of and really aware of, I think, because I think loneliness is an epidemic. Mm -hmm. And then how do, how do, how am I perceiving how I'm being befriended and belonging? How do I, how am I working with that story? I know that's different than what I said the first time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and how do I want to bring, how do I want to be a friend in, in real time? You know? Yeah. And so often, I remember this, this is totally busting myself, but I moved up here to this island 14 years ago. There's a well-talked about, I don't know if we could, if we could say well-documented phenomena in the Pacific Northwest called the Seattle freeze. And it's that people are incredibly friendly here. And they don't invite you into their lives. And I have experienced that on this island. I have known people for 14 years. I've never been invited to their house. I have hosted things in my house for years. And those people have never then in turn hosted me to something. And I have had a lot of stories about that. And a lot of like chip on my shoulder sometimes. And and a lot of resignation. Like, okay, just screw it. This is the way this is. But I get questioned, I'm questioning that. And I remember many years ago when I had the same story, my old friend in Santa Barbara where I used to live said, well, why don't you become the person who makes things happen? Mm-hmm. Why don't you, just like you, you know, reaching out to your friend after feeling like, oh, she hasn't talked to me since we had such closeness at that conference. So I don't know where that leads, except it leads back to, am I willing to do it? Am I willing to do it? So this is a great conversation because like for, I mean, this is, I'm 42 and I remember, you know, even being 17 or 18 and 19 and 
I was like the social coordinator. I was the one that was bringing people together and we were, you know, coordinating what we were going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's two ways I can look at it. I mean, that is just a strength of mine. Like I'm willing to do that. I know how to organize people. Right. Or I can look at it like, oh, woe is me. I'm the one that's always setting things up and I don't really matter because nobody else is doing this. Exactly. And then there's a whole piece that I learned in my coaching school that I've adapted and teach again in that life navigation course about making requests. And if we're the one who's walking around with the chip on our shoulder, the first thing you're pointing to is can we change that story to, oh, wow, look at my talents and my gifts to bring people together. Isn't that cool? I'm so glad I can be of service that way. But if I'm getting resentful, am I making requests, clear requests from other people, to other people, that they can take some of that on if they want, Mm -hmm. you know? So let's say a friend's, you know, partner dies and you're like, I I don't have time to be the one that organizes the food for the next three weeks. Oh, could I make a request of someone else? Could I say, are you willing by 5 p.m. tomorrow to organize a food tree for the next three weeks. Here's a link to the spreadsheet we used last time for so-and-so. That's a clear request. Mm -hmm. Are we willing to be vulnerable to make those too if we're always the ones that are the leaders? Because being a leader is often not a vulnerable place, right? Mm -hmm. I get this all the time when people learn I'm an introvert. They're like, no way. You're not an (laughs) introvert. It's like, oh, I'm an introvert. You should see me when I go to a party that I didn't organize. (laughs) I'm the one hiding in the corner that's got nothing to say to anybody. But put me in the organizer role, and I'm like my mother, who's a total extrovert, just flitting around making sure everybody's happy and comfortable because I have a role to play, right? If I go to the party right and have a role to play, go find me in the kitchen doing the dishes. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally get that. Like if I'm the social coordinator, it's all good. But if I'm showing up to somebody else's party, Oh, I could just feel the tightness in my chest. Yes, me too. I'm like, I'm suddenly like getting a little bit of a panic attack. <laughs> so, so again, we're just, we're, we're unwind. there's no answers here, but we're unwinding all the different ways that we can create our loneliness or collude with it. And again, I just want to point to the societal um, frame or the technology frame, the cultural frame, that it's, we are getting some of our social needs met on social media, but I don't think we can get all of our needs met. And I don't think we, I think, I I believe our bodies and our brains need to be face-to-face with people. Mm -hmm. And I I know when I lead retreats, I I put people into small groups and I give them very specific um, instructions for being in those small groups and I hold them to them. I hold the space. I don't walk away. I conduct the whole small group, every small group session. And people report over and over again that is the mo- one of the most profound things for them because they feel heard and they feel safe and there's no advice giving. So we're hungry for it. I know we're hungry for it. Yeah. That no advice giving is huge, isn't it? It is. It is because we get so much advice on Facebook. Oh my God, sometimes I'll post something. I'm not even asking for any feedback and someone will say something and I'll just, I just, I'll sit here at the computer and go, Really? You got to be kidding me. Oh my God. And then I won't be able to go on Facebook for a couple of days. I'm so like, you people. <laughs> I can't think of a good example right now, but it's usually something that you should be all love and light. And don't you know how, like, you can't, so often you can't even be, you can't be real. People just want you to be positive all the time. And that just really burns my butt. <laughs> no, so true. Like, just in oh, being able to just say, like, 
today's just a sucky day. I mean, it just is. It's yeah. it's not bad and it's not, I mean, it just sucks. And there are just days that way. Like it was so funny. I went walking into the pool deck earlier this week. I don't even remember what night it was. And, um, you know, I'm walking on the pool deck at 6.15. So my days are long Ooh. and a parent saw me and usually I walk in and I've got good energy. But that day I walked in and they're like, hey, Corinne, how are you? And I was like, I'm okay. Because, <laughs> you know, like you, it's like I try to show up authentically. And, and so I'm not going to just say, oh, I'm great when I'm not. And they said, well, that wasn't, you know, sounding very positive. And it's like, well, it's where I am right now. Like, I'll clean up this stuff so that I can show up and do my work. Right. Right. But I'm not going to sit here in the muck of it. But I'm not great. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's like the real life part is like, okay, how can we not be great, but still do, you know, show up and do the things that, you know, we want to do in our life and serve people or help people or whatever it is. But not every day in our lives is it is it, you know, these glorious sunsets and their sunrises, right? Yeah. What I've learned in in my meditation practice over the many years is when I relax with what is, and so in a meditation this morning, it was relaxing with my mind, but I don't hold on to the thoughts as they go along. I don't try to push them away, but I don't hold on to them. I don't immerse myself in them. That's when I have my greatest connection to a sense of something larger and a sense of peace and I'm able to touch my basic goodness. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing is possible in any moment in life. And so what you're talking about walking the pool deck is, oh, I'm I'm touching in with myself in this moment and I'm tired or I'm pissed off about something. And then we can be with it without letting it define us or own us. And mm-hmm. then things can move. Mm-hmm. But if we live in this new age bullshit (laughs) that we're supposed to be positive all the time i mean it's really it really does violence to our our inner lives i believe strongly that it does it's 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 a a violation of our wholeness Mm -hmm. and then it creates the kind of stories uh that we see with like oh you know religious figures, preachers who turn out to be having mm-hmm. sex with prostitutes and putting, you know, stealing money from the church, right? I mean, that story plays out like every few months, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we, we can do that same thing in our lives in a smaller way if we're not, if we don't have space to be who we are. And that's why I think we need space, we need face-to-face relationships like you having coffee with your friend every week where you can show up the way you are and she's not going to judge you for it. And she knows that that's What's passing through right now? Mm-hmm. We need to be witnessed in that. Maybe not by the parents on the pool deck all the time, but yeah, it goes back to like the people who have earned the right to hear your story, right? I mean, it wasn't it wasn't to broadcast like it was for me to own like okay, I'm just okay. Nothing's mm-hmm. great. It's not horrible. I'm okay. I'm grumpy, right? But and and to own that part, and then to be able to move through it. And when you're as you're talking about that, I'm thinking of Krista Neff, and she has this piece about mindfulness from University of Texas. She's a self compassion researcher, who's been on my show a couple of times. And mindfulness is that is not over identifying with our thoughts and our feelings. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Not being owned by them. Not mm-hmm. identifying with, but but not pushing it away or making mm-hmm. it wrong because then we split it off. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't work either. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of times I think my grumpiness will come in because <clears throat> I get into so much of the work mode 
and I forget about the white space that I need in my life. Oh, yes. I hear you. I hear you. And so for me, if I can look at that, okay, what is it that I need, right? What can help me right now, which is a great compassionate question. then it's, oh, I, you know, I need to have some friendship. I need something just to fill up my buckets, right? How can I show up in the world? Or maybe I need time to read a book, but to myself that has no purpose other than this is just pleasure. And no pictures. (laughs) (laughs) A couple weeks ago, I spent the weekend reading two fiction books. Oh my gosh, Jen. You know, I can't remember the last time I read a fiction book because I'm always reading, you know, nonfiction books for the show. And and I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) I'm doing something I want. I'm following my desires. Yeah. I felt so good. Like it had been a tough couple weeks, long, really long work hours. And, you know, I had some school meets and stuff. So really no days off. And that Monday morning, I was up at five and, you know, facing my world. And I was like, I feel really good. And I really attribute it to like having downtime and being able to read some fiction books. It isn't what I find over and over again when I work with women is what we need to recharge isn't expensive. (laughs) It isn't uh, esoteric. (laughs) It Mm -hmm. isn't even a spa day. It Mm -hmm. is following what we really want. And letting ourselves own it and luxuriate in it and savor it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not difficult, but it's the permission to be a sovereign being who says, I want to read fiction books mm-hmm. and the world's not going to end. Or I have to let some things go because I need this to be human. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it goes back to our friendship, uh, friendship theme of this hour, which is, you know, how do we then let ourselves be vulnerable and ask for the connections that we want, even though it's not going to be perfect? We're not going to have that montage moment from the romantic comedy mo- movie, right? We're going to have the lunch I had with my two girlfriends yesterday where I listened for 15 minutes as one friend really dumped about a uh, situation. And she did it, you know, lovingly and everything else, but she needed to be listened to. And in social media, when we're on a Facebook post, we just can click away. <laughs> <laughs> but if we really want the connection, I think, you know, I, I wonder if we're losing the ability to connect. You know, I, I, I read something about millennials Um, that they want to be left alone to do their work on their own and not be in an office and not be, uh, you know, not having to show up. I mean, of course, this isn't all millennials, but that this was one of the things that they were reporting that they wanted in their workplace. And I thought, wow, I done my whole career that way. And I'm sorry for part of it. I mean, I know it was the work that I needed to do and the way I needed to do it, but I'm hoping that the last part of my work life includes more one-on-one FaceTime working, co-working with people. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hungry for that. Yeah. I th- and I think sometimes it depends on, um, I th- and that's why I do the work that I do. Right. And that's also why I've changed my show up a bit, right. Having mm-hmm. these great conversations, but instead of every week creating a new connection, going back to people that I've connected with and want to have deeper conversations. Right. So that's one aspect. And then it's also how I do my work, whether it's coaching my clients during the day and then running some groups and then why I coach the monsters at night, because there's that face to face with people. And then I'm with my incredible staff that I have. So it gives me that human element, you know, and it's now a little bit more in the shallows because it's the broad base of the people and all the stuff that's going on. But it's being around people. So I like that aspect of it. I like being a part of a team. Yeah, I think we're, I think a lot of us are really hungry for that, especially entrepreneurs, you know, solo mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. And that brings me back to an idea that you said earlier in the, sh- in the show, which is everyone's like, oh, you have such an incredible life and look at the people you're talking to. Um, and I think, I think that's another way that we get 
the story of loneliness going is we look at people on social media and we say, oh, look, look who they're hanging out with. But it's not those deep day-to-day connections that we're looking for, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's what we're hungry for. And, and those deep day-to-day connections. So I want to go back to something you said, because you got dready for lunch and you put, you know, you had hair and makeup and clothes. <laughs> Okay, well, it's not much, but no, I did like brush my teeth. <laughs> yeah, and then this morning, you know, I essentially rolled out of bed, wrote wrote my newsletter, sent that out, you know, and then I showed up to coffee with my girlfriend. She's working out. Sometimes I work out before I meet with her, but we're both in our workout clothes, right? And I've got my yoga pants on and a t shirt, and I don't, I don't, I didn't brush my hair, so I just showed up. Sometimes I wear hats, sometimes I don't. And people who see me tomorrow in my town know that that's how you'll see me because mm-hmm. when you're a swim coach, you know, you don't really worry about how you look on the pool deck. So there's that authenticity piece. And then there's times that I get dressed up. It just depends on where mm-hmm. I am. But, you know, again, with this friend, she doesn't care how I look, right? It's about how do we connect. And that's the most important thing. So we fit. I think our coffee thing is we fit it into our lives in a mm-hmm. manner, you know, like I do it either right after I work out before I come on the radio. She's usually right after she works out or maybe before she goes and take a spin class. So we fit, we weave it into that daily life that we have. But it's about how do two people show up and connect and have those meaningful conversations that I think we're all really hungry for. I want to say that you just said something very important. I think one of the ways for some women that they don't make the time for friendships, not the time, they don't make the space, Mm -hmm. is because they do think they have to show up a special way. Mm -hmm. Like going back to the positive, that everything has to be positive or their kid, they, they have to talk about how great their kids are doing or they have to have their hair and makeup done. That's never been an issue for me, but I do see it in other women. And I've always steered away from that because to me, it's like, oh my God, that's the life I was raised in that I, <laughs> you know, the country club life. The, the first thing my mom said when my sister ran away from home in high school was what will the neighbors think, right? Mm-hmm. So I have built a life so the opposite of that, but it's still an issue out there. So I think it's really important for some women. It's like, that's what they need to break through. And I know when I, when I say at my retreats, come as you are, this is a, this is a place to wear your pajamas all day. If you want to have no makeup on, that's huge for some women, mm-hmm. you know, and then they'll sometimes get pissed if I decide to take a shower and shave my legs and put makeup on one day. <laughs> and it's like, but wait, I get to, we all get to play with this. It's not that it's right to go around in our yoga pants or it's right to go around with our hair done. It's what's, what's available to you, what feels good to you, and what do you have time for today? And none of it matters. Mm-hmm. But to transcend that for some people, it's, it's important. So if that resonates with you, it might be fun to play with like, oh, where could I weave in a day, a weekly meeting or walk uh, mm-hmm. or coffee with a friend and not make it a barrier what I look like? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Well, and you know, it's so interesting. So like, again, in the summertime, I mean, I am just, I'm just going. And you know, last place you want to be wearing, doing, having hair and makeup is on a pool deck in Davis right. when it's 100 degrees, right? Right. right? And so I have, you know, my hats or whatever and t-shirts and I just carry about my world. And um, so some of the people who are used to see me in that environment, then when they see me with makeup, they're like, but why are you wearing makeup? Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and, and it's like, well, I just want to. And I've been a person like, you know, it sounds like we in some ways grew up similar. My mom you know, every morning we'd go on and put on her face every morning. Yeah, you didn't leave the house without mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. and it And it was a big to-do. And then I grew up as a swimmer where you had two practices a day and the last thing, you, you know, all you cared about, throw your hair in a bun and just go to school in sweats because 
there was nothing you, left, right? Right, right, right. And, um, and then I remember when I turned 30, my mom looked at me and said, you're looking old, you need to start to wear makeup. Oh, yeah. And oh, so, and awful. this is, you know, this is, she's not a bad person. That's just no, her way of being. Generational yeah. Too. And, and so of course I was going to rebel against that. And it wasn't. So my daughter is now in ninth grade, but when she was in seventh grade and she's always loved makeup when my mom would come into town, she'd be like, can you put it on me? And she's just, mm -hmm. since she was four, my daughter's just always loved it. And so I took some deep breaths and, you know, just tried to embrace it and, and, um, watched her with it and it wasn't about this is the only way the world can see me it was for her it was like crayons right it was play it was art and she just liked what it could do and in that sense it was a creativity standpoint so i saw makeup from a different standpoint so then i kind of got into it we went to san francisco we had our you know we did makeup lessons all kinds of stuff right just kind of mother-daughter bonding and so now i do wear makeup some days i do and some days i don't some days it's because of professional reasons some days it's because i'm like I just want to do this, right? But it's it's all it's it's about what is it that I want? Kind of like with the friendships that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. What kind of friendships do I want to have? You know, what kind of friends do I want? How, what kind of friend do I want to be? Going back into that mode, and I feel like that for me is more sustainable. Again, there's some days like today. You know, I haven't brushed my hair, and there are other days that my hair and makeup are done. I would say wintertime, I'm probably more put together than the summertime just because of the realities of my life. Um, but I, you know, I think it all stems back to like, where is that coming from? You know, what, what is that? What is that inner purpose? Yeah. And, you know, I remember being um, maybe 1990, 1991 and reading Naomi Wolf's seminal book, The Beauty Myth. And if any of you haven't read it, it's, it's still an incredible book uh, to read about what is it? What does it cost us in time and money and psychic energy to be so concerned about what we look like? Mm -hmm. What barriers does it really create between us to be friends and to connect, but also to not be focused, to, to take our energy away from the real issues of the day? Mm -hmm. I mean, if we put in half the money that we put into plastic surgery and makeup and um, you know, potions and lotions that we put into our face into helping the million, one million kids in the United States alone who are hungry. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really like kind of phenomenal what we step out of this story of what we're supposed to be as women. And it's still very alive. I mean, my daughter also loves to put on makeup. She's fantastic at it. I mean, she just completely changes the way she looks. But for her, it became a real mask because she had MRSA and she had, which is a uh, antibiotic resistant staph infection on her face in high school. And she was mortified and depressed by it for two years. So she learned to cover it up. And so now in, as a junior in college, she's starting to go, Oh, I just, she said to me the other day, she goes, I just don't understand why, why girls spend so much time putting their makeup on. But that was her in high school. She could not leave the house without makeup on. Mm -hmm. So it's very, it's, I, I just think there's, there's so much here. We could talk about it forever. <laughs> Well, what's important, what I hope people take away is maybe it's not an issue for you and you're like, I, you know, I got over that, you know, it never or never was an issue for me. But for some of us, it still is. And I know have being raised with a really gorgeous mother who also always put her makeup on. Um, it's It's been something I've had to struggle with to let go of, but not let go of in a way that is reactionary, but in a way that serves me. Mm-hmm. Well, and if the point is to connect with it, and that's the thing that I always go back to, like giving myself permission, like it's about connecting, right? 
And so does it matter how we look when we show up in the morning? Maybe teeth brushed is good. Right? Yes, just, yeah, I'm for that. I'm for that. Right. But how do you, you know, it's about connecting and then there's different, you know, times and places and stuff. Um, but if, if what we're really hungry for is connection, right. And like on my Facebook page, somebody had put for the show had put they, what they were hungry for was acceptance. Mm. Right. And, and I think that, you know, how do we show up and, and knowing, you know, cause the, we know are, are the people that we hang out with. And maybe for some people, it's really, really important to them, you know, but I do know that like for my mom, how I look was always really important. I just chose to rebel against that. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, because I was like, or to well, outgrow it. Yeah. Outgrow that <laughs> well, now I've worked on outgrowing it, but for a long time it was rebel. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, now it's, this is, you know, and so now I, I can, I can work the range of what is within my comfort zone. Um. But I like I like your questions and I invite people to, you know, think about those questions that Jen asked of, you know, how do I want to show up as a friend? You know, how do I want to be a friend? So I have those questions to ask you, Jen, is how do you want to show up as a friend? Well, let's see. Extreme honesty here. Um, I want to I want to first just show up. Um, I'm just really making more of an effort to not be in the story that of resignation that I can't, that people don't want to connect with me or they don't have time or it's not possible and just really making the time for those connections. So it looks like simple things like having lunch with my two girlfriends yesterday or the Sunday before walking down the street to my neighbor's house and visiting for 45 minutes or an hour. Um, and we had a little project to do together. We do, we do a food drive in our neighborhood every year, but we could literally do it over email. But I walked down and we talked about it and we hung out and talked for a while. So it's, it's, I honestly have to say, and sometimes I have to force myself to do this because the work mode, the get it done mode, the stay at the desk in the chair mode is so compelling. It's a, it's a rut. It's Mm a rut in my brain. It's a rut in my body. And, um, and then, and really also sometimes making an effort to get on a plane and go and spend time. So tomorrow I'm getting on a plane and I'm going back to where I used to live in Santa Barbara and I'm spending eight days there. And that's a big effort for me. And to real and not and I've cleared my work schedule, so I have a little bit of work to do. But most of it, I'm just going to be available to hang out with friends and slow down and look people in the eye. And it's scary to me because I have a lot of baggage about leaving Santa Barbara and a lot of sadness. And um, I was married to my first husband when we lived there, and it was you know my daughter was little, and there's just a, my parents were alive and. My mom's still alive, but my dad and, you know, they were younger and, you know, there's just a lot of sadness. Like, wow, that was a really lovely time in my life. And so going and facing that and being with my friends with that and being vulnerable with that, um, that's how I want to show up. How about you? Um, I like that showing up. And then I think for me, it's like, how do I want to show up as a friend? I think being authentic. I mean, that's one of my core values, mm-hmm. right? Um, so giving myself permission to show up instead of... Um, because I can get into that achiever mode. I'm really good at that. <laughs> and, no, I, I'm a really busy person. I have all this stuff to do, right? Um, and then I sit here and I'm lonely. Um, <laughs> Isn't it? That's, that's the rub I think so many of us find ourselves in. I'm really busy. I'm achieving things. And I'm lonely. Wow. Mm-hmm. How do I balance these two things? Yeah. And, and overcoming this, um, you know, it's that voice of I'm not worthy, or maybe they don't want to be friends with me or those mean things that we say to ourselves. And, um, 
you know, where I don't think everybody's a great fit with each other. No, right? I don't want to be friends with everybody. <laughs> and, and like in you and I, we've done some courageous asks of each other over the last couple of months. Mm. And, but then look what happens. I mean, we're here having further conversations, right? And so I think like sometimes people say like, how do you get these people on your show? I mean, they start with courageous asks, yes. you know, and it wasn't that, you know, like, I mean, I've been doing this show for eight years, right? And so I've been building up things. So again, it goes back to you share your story with the people who've earned the right to hear it, mm. right? I think the same thing with the courageous ass. It's not just these big, hairy, audacious, like, you know, out from the blue, but how do you build that relationship? How do you cultivate that relationship? So maybe you test it out. Like, I think coffee's kind of like a safe friend date, Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you incorporate that or maybe, you know, it's a few minutes after a gym class or something, you know, and what are the relationship buildings that you do um, versus, you know, trying to get something long term. So for me, how do I want to show up as a friend, I think, is to show up. And then the other side is to change that message of I'm a busy person. Mm. You know, mm. people are always wanting stuff for me because I think that gives the message that I'm not available. And, and I want to change the story that every encounter has to be fantastic Yeah. because that's the, I'm such a maximizer, right? Like, okay, I got, I got to maximize every moment because I've got so much to do that then that carries over into friendships and connections with people. And that is way too much pressure. So it's like no expectations, slow down. And what, what's, what can I do instead of what I expect from them? Like I expect them to be interesting or present or it's like, no, I just expect, what do I expect myself? So yesterday I expected myself in my lunch to be, listen to ask about other people first instead of because I was feeling excited about a couple of things that had happened recently and I wanted to share but it's like slow down shut up <laughs> listen to them first right because I have a lot of energy and it can be kind of, I think it takes up too much space sometimes you know puts the fire out because it takes <laughs> up all the air <laughs> so I focused on what I could do and it was really nourishing and it was sweet and I left there feeling good um and connected. And what do you want from your friends? You know, oh my God, the first thing I was going to say, I just really want them to want me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that's I, the truth. It is the truth. And, and I recently reached out to somebody who had been reaching out to me for a number of years and we made a couple of dates to walk. And the first date was, it was like love at first sight. I was like, oh my God, this woman's going to be my new best friend. I'm so excited. I'm totally shattering that story that nobody likes me and I don't belong here. And then we walked one more time and then it, that was it. She wouldn't, she didn't, didn't want anything to do with me. And I don't, I mean, I reached out. I was like, do you want to walk in? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? I'd really like to interview you about this, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe later. Or when I get back and I saw her in town last week and she was so cold. And it's like, what did I do? Oh, my God. So sometimes we're going to be vulnerable and put ourselves out there and it's not going to work. And we're not going to know why. And so I want to, I want to keep being brave, too. How do you move through that? Because I think that's, I mean, we all experience that, right? We meet somebody like, oh my gosh, I just love this person. We're yeah. going to be best friends. We're now married, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't wait. You're my married best friend. <laughs> and then uh, they don't, yeah. they're they, not. I don't like you. <laughs> yeah. They're not there. Well, I did the work that I do, you know, that I teach people. I worked on my story. It's like the facts are I emailed her and um, let's say four times with different offers. And she um, emailed me back in a couple of occasions, but put me off. Mm -hmm. And 
and then didn't return future emails. And that's all I know. And everything else is speculation. It's story. And it's not going to serve me. And I don't know what happened. And all I know is that I showed up authentically. And I, there's nothing I would say, oh, you took up too much space or you did this or, you know, you're too self-revealing or things I've trained myself out of over the years. So I just have to let it go. Mm -hmm. um, but I let myself feel the hurt and I wrote about it. That always helps me. I turned it into a little story that probably may or may not end up in this book that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I know for me, one of the things that I've gotten better about instead of like, again, over identifying with that, right. Yeah. Cause I would have like the shame gremlins would have just come right. in and had just a huge party yes. on my behalf. Right. <laughs> like, Oh, see, you're not good enough. Here's a reason why you shouldn't be connecting. You know, who, who the hell do you think you really are? All that yeah. stuff. Right. Uh -huh. Um, is that sometimes I realize, I, and this is something that I'm, I also tend to friend, <gasps> befriend high achieving women who uh, don't give themselves permission for space. That's a good one. I realized this. Well, I didn't. My therapist did. This was years ago. She said, why, why do you think you approach women to be friends who are like your mother? Unavailable. Ooh. So that's a pattern. I, I honestly say and this wasn't true in this woman's case at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it is a pattern that I've really had to train myself out of, which is kind of going for the women and really cultivating their friendship when they're like, keep putting out a hand that says, no, no. And then I'll get to be friends with them. But it's kind of like, I'm like the little dog paddling after them. Please be friends with me. Please be friends with me. <laughs> so I don't do that anymore. But yeah, so that really points to a fabulous thing. How do we look at our patterns of friendship and how are we setting ourselves up? Mm -hmm. um, and that's deep inner work. Yeah. Uh, so important and, and, and not going after difficult women, or I should say not, but in, when I have in the years, Recent years, I've caught myself really quickly, like, oh, look what you're doing again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're overlooking the friend here who wants to be friends, and you're, you're, you're discounting her, and you're looking over there to the glamorous, difficult person. So, yeah. Yeah, th there's, a lot, there's a lot to be said. God, we could do a whole other show on that. Well, yeah, we could. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, yeah, so I, I think about that. And um, so again, instead of, you know, being mindful of it. So like I have this one friend who I love and adore and um, she's very much an introvert and we have these great meaningful connections. Right. And but she also has, you know, not a whole lot of space for connection. So right. for me, it's about me showing up and doing my work in instead of thinking, oh, this is how it's going to be. Right. She's going to be like, you know, Oprah and Gail. Right. Yes. <laughs> instead of she's going to be my Gail. That's not how it's going to be. But this is how we show up for each other. Right. Yes. These, this is the realness of this relationship. I think that's so key is what's happening. I have a, a friend who is polyamorous. So she has three committed relationships in her life, sexual relationships. Three. Mm -hmm. I, and I'm like, I asked her one day, I said, how do you have time? For <laughs> I barely have time for my husband. And she said, well, I show up in the moment with no, and this is not as clearly as she said it. It was so grand and clear the way she said it. But basically, like, I show up with no preconceptions or history. I show up fresh with and encounter who they are in that moment. And I thought, oh, my God, that's what we have to do with all of our relationships. Mm -hmm. So instead of the history that I have with that woman now in town who didn't want to be friends with me, when I run into her again, which I will because I live in a small town, I can just be like, oh, hi, mm -hmm. hi. And with no expectation, that means we're going to be friends or anything. But I don't have to show up with my history. I don't have to show up with my history with my husband when I go in and kiss him later. Mm-hmm. 
You know, she's like, oh, hi, hi, Bob. Hi, you're here now and I'm here now. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens in this moment. Yes. And it's that, so much more fun. It is. And that goes back to what you're talking about with the story, right? Yeah, yeah. The stories that we tell ourselves. All right, Jen, well, I'm going to close up this show because we, we are <laughs> done. <laughs> we are done. We're running out of time. So thank you for talking about this. And listeners, if you have questions for Jen or I, send me an email and um, we'll look at answering them or creating a show topic around that. So you can go to com and for the emails and I'll also have links back to Jen's site so you can uh, follow her as well. Thank you. Thank you. It's fun. So in wrapping up this conversation about friendships, one of the things that we didn't uh, talk about was the difference between fitting in and belonging. And really one of the things that I think about the friendships that I, I work on cultivating and creating or nurturing is about creating a place of belonging for myself and for my friends. Um, I'm no longer interested in fitting in. And there's a big difference. Right? I want to show up authentically and be who I am. Now, obviously, that's in a manner of being respectful and not dogmatic, which I can sometimes be when I become so passionate about something. So it's not that I'm not a flawed person, but how can I show up in my own authenticity and my own integrity and have that place of belonging? And I think that's a really important thing. So when you think about the friendships that you have, the friendships that you want, you know, if you're feeling lonely and you're with people, what is it that you're really hungry for? That is an important thing. And what is it that you want to create? What is the kind of friend that you want to be? And what is the kind of friends that you want to have in your life? And really thinking about that. I think there was a time in my life where I just so hungered for connection that I would take it any way I could, right? And I would be with people that maybe my values didn't line up with. Um, or I'd be with people where it was really, I had to fit in in order to have that connection piece, um, or not the connection place, but have that place to be really. And that's what it was. It was a place to be. And instead now I really think about who are the people that, you know, I connect with and that I can belong and I can show up in my yoga pants and my baseball hat if that's, if that need be, or I can be dressed up and who, you know, are going to love me or like me with because of my flaws and because of my imperfections, right? Not in spite of them. And that's what I really look for in friendships now. How can I connect with people? Who are the people that are important? And then the other thing that Jen and I kind of mentioned is like, why is it sometimes that we try to connect with those that may not want to be friends with us, right? What are, what are we trying to get out of that? You know, and is it, is it this idea that, oh, if, I, if they like me, then this will be proof that I'm worthy? I mean, I'm a recovering approval whore, and I spent a long part of my life doing that, like working so hard to get somebody to like me. Because then I thought, oh, once they like me, then I'm going to be worthy. I'll no longer be this loser, right? But then as soon as they would like me, I'd be like, hmm, maybe they aren't that special after all, right? And I would leave, and I'd go find somebody else and hustle for their worthy, hustle for their approval. Right. And these are just examples for you to think about in your own life about what are the friendships that you want to create? What are the things that you want to cultivate? Right. And if you are lonely or if you don't have those connections, how can you create them in your own space that you have? And how, what, what are the things that are really important to you and the different types of friendships that are out there? I mean, there, there are the, 
friends that I have that have meaningful conversations. And then there's the friends that I have where, you know, we can get through weekends of our kids' sporting events and we can talk about stuff and enjoy each other there. So there's, there's a variety of levels, right? And there's different degrees of who are the people who are in my inner circle, who've earned the right to hear my story, right? And who are the people that I can have fun with? And knowing the differences in that I think is really important. And then finally, staying away from that compare and despair, right? What goes on in Facebook or what we think of what happens in other people's homes, right? What is it that you want to create and how can you go about creating it? Whether it's asking for it, learning how to receive it, you know, or taking the courage to set out to create it because it does take courage. Sometimes even just sending a text and saying, hey, do you want to go have coffee? That can take tremendous courage for me to do that, right? And that's in some ways more courageous than asking Jen to do this co-host thing with me for eight episodes. So really paying attention to that and testing things out and seeing what works for you. As usual, I'd love to hear what you have to say. I love the emails. Thank you so much. Um, The iTunes reviews really help the show. It helps spread it. I guess there's some sort of analytical thing. I wasn't concerned about it for eight years. And now finally after eight years, I'm getting on it a little bit about, you know, asking for those reviews there because it does apparently help you spreading the word of the show to other people that your friends, that also helps grow the show because there's just, there's great content in here, right? There's, I mean, these interviews that I've done with people where they've brought in such tremendous resources for the listeners, for you. So if you wouldn't be so inclined to share it with others, that would be great. Also, I have my weekly newsletter that goes out every Friday with show topics and then something that I write about, about some sort of theme that's been going on that whether it's from a show or from working with my clients that seems to keep coming up. So anyways, let's keep this communication going. I really do love your emails. Thank you so much for taking the time and being courageous enough to send them to me or writing show reviews or sharing the show with your friends. Um, and giving, sending us I, questions. I mean, we've been adapting them uh, or incorporating them into the shows um, and continue to do so. So I want this conversation to keep going because it's about how can you create the life that you want? I mean, that's what the space is for. It's the place where inspiration and possibility meet, right? So get inspired, but then how do you take action from there? And, and not doing it in this blueprint manner, but in a manner that really lights you up. And that's what this show is really about. So I invite you to listen to the stuff that we talk about and then how can this may ignite, ignite ideas or even just give you some courage to go and apply it in your own life. Thanks for listening to How She Really Does It. I invite you to subscribe to my weekly newsletter at howshereallydoesit.com. I do this show each week for you so you can now see the windows of possibilities in your own life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With this show, Maybe you can now see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibility. Each week, I bring a guest who represents those possibilities. 
they too have had their own struggles and uncertainty. Yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap, fall down, and get back up. I invite you into this space so you can ask yourself, if that is possible for them, what is possible for me? Really ask yourself that. I would love to connect with you. Please join me at www.howshereallydoesit.com. And thanks for listening today. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.